What are the training camp battles you should be watching this week and over the next couple weeks? We're talking all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Dynasty. You are Locked On Dynasty Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome back to the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. Today's episode of Locked On Dynasty is brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions do apply. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. You can follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Joining me today, we've got a guest host that I'm really excited about. One of my favorite people in the space. You know him from Twitter. You know him from the fan, uh, from Fantasy Alarm, where he is the lead NFL analyst. We've got Andrew Cooper a.k.a. Coop, a fiasco. Coop, what's going on today, man? What's happening, dude? Big shoes to fill the uh, seat of the scout, but luckily you picked a topic I'm well-versed in with a tight end, so I'm going to do my best here for, for the audience at Locked On. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Of course, Matt is uh, off covering the Pittsburgh Steelers as training camps really get under the, underway, and and that is the that's the topic that we've been covering all week here on Locked On. Locked on dynasty those training camp battles and uh, you know if you don't know coop he is the tight end aficionado anything tight end uh when it comes to fantasy and dynasty he is ready to talk about that so we're talking tight end training camp battles today and and coop we're going to jump right into it now when you're talking about tight end and this is probably really true with with uh running back and receiver as well but this is not necessarily a, a starting job always on the line. Like if you're talking about a quarterback battle uh, in most of these situations that we're going to talk about today, we're going to see all these guys on the field. We're going to see all these guys uh, racking up fantasy points, uh, but we really need to make some decisions who we want to target uh, both in the short term and the long term. So that's, that's what we're going to go to you for today. We're starting with the Arizona Cardinals. We've got Zach Ertz, the veteran, of course, coming off a pretty significant injury that ended his season. He's currently the tight end 30 in DLF Dynasty ADP versus the young guy. Second year, Trey McBride, tight end 19 currently. And and McBride was, you know, he was the tight end one in that rookie class a year ago. And we we really seemingly forgot about him very quickly as he didn't play much uh, until that Ertz injury. Coop, I think Trey McBride might be one of my favorite trade targets in Dynasty right now. I hope you're on board with that. That'll make me feel better. Hey, you know what? Let's start it off with good vibes here because I am on board. Okay, good. I'm fully on board. Yes. And so my, uh, and you kind of uh, talked about it briefly there at the beginning, but I have a philosophy for tight end because with wide receiver, every team has two, three on the field. Uh, Talent can can more easily rise to the top and the opportunities there. Uh, with tight ends, sometimes you got to wait, right? Delaney Walker sat behind Vernon Davis for like seven years before he played. Dallas Goddard had to wait his turn with with Ertz in the slot. And now Trey McBride kind of in the same spot. So my philosophy on tight end is uh, the sort system. Start opportunity, roster talent. So you want to carry as many of these talented guys as possible. And when their window to 
actually produce is open, that's when you start them. So Trey McBride is a guy that I had planned on holding him for a while. When Zach Ertz signed this deal, I thought, okay, two years minimum, Ertz is going to be the guy. And that might be the case again. Honestly, if uh, Jonathan Gannon wasn't the guy here coming over from the Eagles, familiar with Ertz, we might have seen Ertz move the same way they got rid of DeAndre Hopkins there. But uh, Ertz is going to hang around as the veteran leader. But in my opinion, it's only a matter of time until Trey McBride takes over. How many rookie tight ends ever have gotten 10 targets in a game the way McBride did last year, right? So uh, for me, I'm hoping he just wins the battle outright. And and Ertz is kind of there just as a uh, moral support guy. In which case, with Hopkins gone, there's targets there right away. But even if... Uh, you know, he doesn't win it outright and, and maybe he has to wait more, one more year. I'm not moving McBride and I'm, you know, that just presents another opportunity to get him on the cheap for me. I love it. I, you know, I guess we're going to have to kind of wait and see with Ertz um, if he is able to come back from this injury or, or how quickly, you know, does he land on pup, things like that, that we will discover in the coming days here. Um but I, I'm with you. I certainly want McBride, as I already said. I do think we still have to be patient with this uh, this situation. But ultimately, as you kind of alluded to there, either of these guys that are on the field are going to have the opportunity to be uh, potentially as high as second on the team in targets and in receiving. So um, I, I'm not giving up on Zach Ertz yet either. Like I said, he's tied in 30, basically free in dynasty. Uh, and, and even pretty cheap in redraft on, on those uh, underdog drafts and everywhere else. So I'm I'm really targeting both of these guys, honestly. Uh, Ertz in the short term and McBride uh, for the long term. Let's uh, let's move over to the Buffalo Bills. This has been one that's been a hot topic certainly since the NFL draft uh, because the Bills carried Dawson Knox into uh into the offseason after a, a solid couple of years right like i mean he's he's been fine maybe maybe one step above fine but then they use that first round pick on dalton kincaid dawson knox currently the tight end 23 in our adp dalton kincaid all the way up to tight end seven and he's he's pretty high up there and even in redraft adp coop i mean we're we're putting too much hype too much expectation on kincaid too early right well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So it is very difficult for rookie tight end to flash for all those reasons that I had mentioned. They, you essentially need to be a top two target on the team right from the rip, which is right. so difficult for these guys. Kyle Pitts was because Kyle Pitts is different. Evan Engram, the other, the last top five tight end as a rookie, uh, a lot of people forget that Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt in week four and missed the rest of the season. Probably wouldn't have been top five if it wasn't for that. But I will say this. Uh, I am in the, the big narrative for Doss for Dalton Kincaid, besides the fact that he plays a wide receiver and plays like a wide receiver, is is the entire narrative of that organization. The Bills are so firmly in the win now window. I mean, is there more kind of win now to maybe the Vikings are kind of really up against it, but they are they're so firmly win now that if you're a fan of the Bills and you trade up and take a pass catcher in the first round. If that player isn't an impact player right away, you got to have the pitchforks out, right? Mm. So I, I do look at it from that perspective, like the conf, where they are in the in the plan, the grand scheme of things. A couple of years ago, the GM even kind of stupidly said, well, you don't want to be like the Rams and put all your eggs in one basket, right? And now I'm looking back and I'm like, you know what? That egg basket's not too bad. Even even though they don't look great now, it's like they had they did have a parade, didn't they, Ryan? 
Uh, I believe they did. Yeah. Yeah. They got got that ring. You know, it's like they got the ring. So that's why I'm like, at a certain point, you got to push it. Same with Dynasty, right? In your Dynasty League, too. So many times I see guys, uh, they don't, they think they're going to win three in a row and go back to back to back to back. And they, they forget to stop and trade for a Zach Ertz if you need to, or trade for a, a Logan Thomas when he's hot that one year, right? That's why that's where the start opportunity comes in. Sometimes you got to sit down and say, okay, Austin, Austin Hooper on the Falcons is getting a million targets. Do we like the talent? I don't know, but do we like the targets? Yeah. Sometimes you got to chase the opportunity. So uh, just on this battle though, I warned people in the offseason. I said, how I tweeted out, you can check uh, in like February. I said, now is it, there's still time to trade Dawson Knox. That's what I said, because the opportunity was there, right? Everyone loved Gabe Davis. It was very exciting times last offseason. And then he, he did. He did. Okay. Right. Um, you know, not, not great, honestly. And that was Dawson Knox's window to be the man, right? That was your chance to step up and, and be the dog. And that's why this offseason, I was like, well, after what just happened, they're going to do something. They got to do something. And, you know, they didn't do as much as I thought. I thought they were going to bring in another wide receiver, but they traded up in the first round and took a pass catching tight end. So to me, Dawson Knox now at best has the inline role and he's, you know, he could still be the guy who he was, but what exactly was he before? A guy that benefited from RPOs and play action and kind of snuck away. So I don't know. I, I What's the ADP on Dawson Knox? I know you guys are, you keep it real tight over at DLF. How's he, what's his uh, dynasty rank looking like? Cause yeah, you, you could probably still cash out. Tight end 23. Um, yeah, honestly, sell. even higher than I expected. I mean, he is, uh, let's see, ahead of, well, he's ahead of a couple of the guys we're going to talk about later in the show. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker ahead of Gerald Everett, Mike Gasecki. Interesting. Yeah, go in there. If you didn't, if you took Dalton Kincaid yourself, maybe hang on to Dawson Knox in case he's a bust. But I would be, you know, checking out who took Kincaid, and I'd say, or you know, I guess whoever has Josh Allen, maybe there's a Bills fan in your league, yeah. and knock on that door and say, hey, you know what, you want to get this Bills tight end situation all wrapped up in a nice, nice bow and try and move move off him because I think Knox, he was already fairly touchdown dependent, and right. it can only get worse now, right? Would you take a future third rounder for Dawson Knox? I would. Yeah, I would. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, we do have several more teams to talk about uh, when it comes to those tight end battles. We're going to do that next. I want to tell you about our friends from BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It, it's really become uh, a, a serious issue now that sometimes in life we're, we're faced with those tough choices and the path isn't always clear. You might be dealing with tough decisions about your career, about your relationships or anything else. And therapy can help you stay connected with what you really, uh, what you really want while you navigate life. You can move forward with that confidence and excitement that is so important in life. Trusting yourself to make those decisions that align with your values is, is like anything else. The more you practice, the easier it gets. It's helpful for learning, uh, Therapy, that is, is helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those people who have experienced trauma. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We are here with our guest co-host, Andrew Cooper, at Coop A Fiasco on Twitter. Coop is the lead NFL analyst over at Fantasy Alarm. So after you listen to this, definitely go check out his work. Uh, always good stuff over there. We're talking tight end training camp battles today. We talked about Arizona and Buffalo already. This next one is is tough for me, Coop. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. We've got Jake Ferguson at tight end 32, of course, just a rookie last year. Uh, and then the Cowboys draft another rookie, the name I mentioned earlier, Luke Schoonmaker, tight end 24. Uh, what What's going to happen here? I, I really have no idea how this one's going to play out. Yeah, so this this is a tough one. Uh, you have a, such a good mix on here because the first one, it's two, two, two guys. We like them both, right? Yeah. And then in this case, next we have Knox and, and Kincaid. I like Kincaid, not so much Knox. This one, to be honest with you, not really in on either. And okay. I'll tell you what, even before Schoonmaker came in, I was real worried about Jake Ferguson, and here's why. Uh, there's only been like two tight ends since I've been doing this. Well, technically three tight ends since I've been doing this to finish top five while blocking on more than 15% of their pass plays, which makes a lot of sense. If you're blocking on pass plays, you might, you're practically in the locker room, right? You're, like, you, yeah. you're, not, you're not catching passes, man. So, uh, And th- those were Rob Gronkowski in a year where he, he, he played like 11 games and caught 10 touchdowns, got hurt. The other one was... Uh, George Kittle, the unicorn year 2019. And the last one, which I say barely counts, was uh, Julius Thomas, Orange Julius. And that was just the year Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdown passes. Right. I mean, you could have left a, a – you give a shopping cart a nice push, he could probably throw that thing a touchdown pass that year, you know. So <laughs> that one doesn't count for me. Uh, so Ferguson blocked on 28% of his pass plays last year, which is unacceptable. Yeah. And – the even scarier part is that when the the two games when Schultz was out, uh, Peyton Hendershot actually lined up in the slot more and actually ran thirty seven routes to only twenty seven twenty nine for Ferguson. So I was kind of, I was already out on Ferguson, and I'm hoping that they're going to draft the next the next guy right. And I'm like looking around, but Luke Schoonmaker, uh, he just and you know I would love to hear what uh you know what the scout says when he gets back from camp on on this guy but when I and I you know I'm, I'm more a stack guy than a film guy but but you have to watch film on rookies and when I watch the film for this guy he's not really creating for himself he only had two broken tackles the entire time mm. he was in college part of it is that Michigan offense right it's a right. lot of play action a lot of, you know he didn't really need to but again it's the same thing with Knox where it's like He's kind of sneaking away. We want to see these guys like watch watch a guy like Sam Laporta or go back and watch George Kittle's highlights. Like it's broken tackles, it's hurdles, it's diving for touchdowns, it's contested catches. Uh it's a lot of, you know, the things that translate to the next level. Whereas Ferguson, not that he oh sorry, the schoolmaker, not that he can't do it. It's just that I they didn't even give him the opportunity. So uh of these guys, I would definitely just go with the rookie, the upside pick, but I I'm just not sure if um with, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup and Tony Pollard there that somebody's going to be relevant right away. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, are you are you are you in? Are you taking stabs here? 
Uh, no, not really. I'm, I'm really in agreement with you. Um, and, and I did nearly include Peyton Hendershot in this, uh, in this conversation as well, because pre-draft, you know, there was, there was that debate at least deep. I mean, deep in dynasty circles, right. Of are are you a Ferguson guy or a Hendershot guy? And, and that all kind of got washed away when they used that day two pick on, uh, on Schoonmaker. But yeah, I, I mean, I worry about the upside with really all three of these guys, not only because of their, um, kind of standing in the offense uh, as, as the, you know, third or fourth option in that passing offense, but really just, just the types of players they are. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm just not, I mean, can these guys ever be a top 10 fantasy tight end? I don't know that any of any of the three can. Right. I'll tell you, Hey, the, the scariest one is Hendershot because he could be like a Cameron Brate or Anthony Ferkser type guy. And when you have that guy in the room, you don't have any fantasy relevant tight ends, right? They just yeah. come in, play a couple pass plays in the slot and take away two, three targets a game. And when you take those targets away from the from the guy playing in line and playing the most snaps, now you got nobody. That's the worst thing for tight ends when you have that one guy that pops in just to take a couple of targets out of the slot. So that, that could be Hendershot, which I guess makes him the most interesting, but at the same time, it makes nobody interesting. Well, exactly. And I mean, that's, that's really what we saw from Ferguson and Hendershot last year as, right. as rookies, they both saw just enough time to bring Dalton Schultz down. You know, I mean, Dalton Schultz was coming off a, a top three season at tight end. Uh, the previous year he was being drafted as a top seven dynasty tight end this time last year. And yeah, you're, you're regretting that pick for sure. If you oh, went man. that way. Yeah, although I will say this, he because uh, he, he was my like guy that's next up to he was like the next Austin Hooper. In fact, player profiler has him Austin Hooper as the most comparable player. So I'm thinking, OK, this guy, uh, he goes from being a top target on or Hooper went from being a top target on the Falcons, throwing a ton to a run heavy team. Mm-hmm. And Dalton Schultz, I thought the same thing was going to happen. But I guess he technically landed with the Texans where he could have some. I mean who he could be a top target there. So yep. I want to ask you before we go to the next topic, Schultz, I mean, he becomes a complete wild card now, but it could have been worse, right? He could have landed somewhere where he's like, just not like he's way down the pecking order. There's a possibility. Yeah. Right? I mean, he got uh, paid for sure. You know, he got, he got the solid contract. He, um, I mean, we look for those spots where they could be a, a tight ends can be a top two target. I mean, he could, yep. He could be the top target on this team. It's it's kind of yeah. wide open uh, for the Texans right now. So, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the value drop quite a bit, uh, both in redraft and dynasty. I think there's upside concerns there uh, moving from uh, moving from the Cowboys' offense to the Texans, obviously. But yeah, I mean, he's cheap enough that you still you still take a stab. Yeah, I'm with you. I just wish he was a little more like. It would be better if it was a guy that we liked his profile in a vacuum yeah. going to a situation like that versus like Waller or something, you know. But right. hey, it's, we're scrapping. It's tight end, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're we're really going to be scrapping here. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. They made a lot of moves at tight end this offseason, trading away Darren Waller. Uh, they brought in the name you mentioned, Austin Hooper, who uh, doesn't even have an ADP, not even being drafted in our uh, Dynasty ADP currently. And then they also drafted Michael Mayer, uh, who was once viewed as the top rookie tight end in this class. He's he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Uh, that's partially, I would say, because of landing spot and 
uh, just how we saw the NFL draft play out that he fell and we saw Kincaid and, and a couple of other, those other guys rise up. So Coop, I mean, this, this is an obvious one. Of course we want Michael Mayer long-term. That's, that's not even a discussion. Um, right. Really. Are, are we going to see Michael Mayer break through this year as the starter or can Hooper, uh, does Hooper have enough left to hold him off and maybe even be relevant himself for, for this year? Yeah. I mean, outside, this is, and I, I truly, truly hate when people say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> May, maybe in best ball, right? Like oh, yeah. I, I do go. hate the thing, maybe in best ball. Right. But, uh, but with these guys, it's like, you're just cha- you're fishing for touchdowns because yeah. like, Devon and Devontae Adams is the real problem. If it was just Devontae Adams, it might be a problem because he's such a target monster. Mm-hmm. And I know people are down on him, but every sports like DraftKings Sportsbooks over under for him is 102 receptions, not tar- 102 right. receptions. Yeah. So that, right. So if you don't believe in that situation, go bet the under there, you know, but they're they're expecting more of the same. And then they not only have they sat there with Hunter Renfro and they said, well, how about. How about second Hunter Renfro and brought in Jacoby Myers too? <laughs> so now they got all sorts of guys running around there. Uh, so yeah, I'm probably uh, you know Hooper. He had the one good year with the Falcons. The, the Falcons that year threw 50 more passes than any other team. That's what people fail to recognize, right? So um, yeah, I'm out on Hooper. Michael Mayer is a guy that when he ran the 40, he ran, yeah. which is a four seven range. He put himself in the category of guys that not necessarily that can't be fantasy relevant. But guys that need targets, they need to be peppered with targets. Right. People forget. So the guys in that range are like Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, um, and people forget that Zach Ertz. If when I asked him, like, oh, you know, how many thousand yard seasons do you think Zach Ertz had? In your mind, you think, well, obviously he had a bunch because he had all those seasons with um, you know 120, 130 targets. He actually only had one. Yeah. It was two. He when he 20, 20 years old, he got one hundred and fifty targets. But he doesn't really have the speed to break away, and I think Michael Mayer falls in that category. So he is a guy that I wasn't really drafting him in rookie drafts. But if people sour on him over the next year or so, I'm gonna I'll knock on the door and I'll I'll try and see if I can get him away because we like the talent, great two way tight end. And if he if he were to end up in a system, you know, or I don't know who's gonna be the coach here, but you look around at some of the systems like the 49ers and. Honestly, the 49ers offense that the Texans are going to be building, some of those systems with these two-way tight ends, uh, Hawkinson is a guy that makes it happen. Uh, he could be, end up being a guy eventually that gets peppered. But for the, sh- for the short term, I just – I mean, I, I just, he would have to be transcendent to yeah to do it. I'm just not sure. Do you see it? I mean, it's, it's possible, right? No, I think there's there's the – the concerns you mentioned are are certainly there. And you said you were filling Matt's seat today. Matt is, is as far off of Michael Mayer as you can oh, be. He is. Even, oh, uh, you know, even in the pre combine stage, uh, I think Mayer was his tight end four in this class. So oh, you're, you're wow, filling good in, job by him filling in. He perfectly. Nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. Filling in perfectly <laughs> for Matt today. Okay. He he did. He left me a note on the seat that says "Never Michael Mayer." That, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. it. Makes, <laughs> makes sense. We got a couple more teams to talk about. We'll do that next. Thanks for making Locked On Dynasty your first listen every day. Every dayers, check out tomorrow's show. Kate and Marcus will be back. They'll be talking wide receivers and those training camp battles for the wideouts. Make sure you listen in for that. But today we've got our buddy. 
Coop, Andrew Cooper, Coop A Fiasco on Twitter, lead NFL analyst from Fantasy Alarm. We're talking tight ends. Coop, let's sneak a couple more in really quickly here. New England Patriots, Hunter Henry is the tight end 36. In Dynasty ADP, Mike Gesicki, uh, formerly, of course, of the Dolphins, is the tight end 28. This is kind of one of those, I don't want either one. I think you probably disagree. <laughs> this might be our first our first disagreement of the show, actually. Who, who we got, got it. In? We and I'm glad we, I'm glad we disagree. It's no fun when everyone just agrees on everything, right? It's that there wouldn't be a game to play if everyone agreed on everything. Absolutely. That's the that's a, is it like on Twitter and, and Reddit and stuff. Everyone argues and, and we act like we hate it. But if ever if if we knew all the answers, this wouldn't be fun. Of so course. I look at it and you and I both agree that uh, the opportunity lies mostly with top two target guys that can either lead or be second. Uh, it's not just for the total number of targets, but also the consistency from week to week. Uh, you know, there when you were the third target, like Evan Ingram last year, there were weeks where he killed you. You know, it's yeah. like he did end up tight end five. And we're happy to have him, but there's probably not too many people that like the rest of your team had to be good for to win your league because he did have some bad weeks in there. Um, so with this team, I look at Juju and I say he's one. Who's two? I mean, it would be more fun if it was Tyquan Thornton, right? Like because yeah. with the speed and stuff, like that would be fun. But I look at Bill Belichick and, and Alex Barth of uh, he's a beat writer for the Patriots pulled up every transcript where Belichick was talking about Mike Gusecki and like eight or nine times uh, a, a reporter went to Belichick and said, what do you think about the tight end for the Dolphins? And Belichick started it by saying, well, he's not really he's a, he's not really a tight end. He's a big wide receiver. And to me, okay. that kind of alludes to what they're going to do. I think they're going to put Gusecki in the slot. They're going to put Hunter Henry in line. Last time Bill O'Brien was calling plays 2011. They did. They had the tight end one in Rob Gronkowski and the tight end three in Aaron Hernandez. Now these guys aren't those guys. Mac Jones isn't uh, Tom Brady and Juju Smith-Schuster isn't Wes Welker. But I think that's what they're trying to do. I yeah. like they're trying to build a uh, a you know uh, you know Walmart brand version of what they had then and see if they can get away with it. Uh, so in that case, the Gusecki's the guy I want playing out of the slot, but Hunter Henry in standard leagues or best ball leagues, he could score some touchdowns. He really does have, he is good versus man to man and with contested catches. It'd be better if it was just one of them, but there's an opportunity there for somebody. Uh, but you know, the problem with Kaseki and I'm sure you could name a bunch of problems with Kaseki. Uh, but the number one one is that he is just, he gets the football in his hands and says, come get me. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. what was the last time? He, like how, has he ever had more than three broken tackles in a season? I mean, <laughs> He's, someone's got to teach him some moves, man. Not just the gritty. Like he needs some. He needs a little. He needs some shimmy, you know. He needs all kind, all kinds of moves. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you you sold me a little bit there. The opportunity is obviously there, and we we've got to love the price. I mean, tight end twenty eight for Gasecki, tight end thirty six for Hunter Henry. Uh, this is uh, I might I've got to check the numbers on this. This is about the lowest. ADP that either of those guys have seen over the past two or three years, at least. So um, yeah, if you do, if, if you're trying to find that second tight end in new England, uh, obviously I think the, the addition uh, of Bill O'Brien is going to be a good one for that offense, certainly compared to what we saw last year. So again, those guys are cheap enough to uh, take a shot. Do you think Gasecki can be a long-term option for dynasty? Is he a guy we could use for the next three years? Let's say. So I always chase guys like this, like Ingram. I've, you know, yeah. I looked at it and I said, if if somebody gets a hold of him and uses him the right way, 
then why not? Because he's he's got the athleticism. He's built like a wide receiver. I mean, Gusecki, uh, like he was he was a a ridiculous basketball player and a legitimately amazing volleyball player. Mm-hmm. From all I've been told, like he was the best volleyball player in the state. And if that was a a, a sport that paid money, that's actually the sport that he should be playing. But uh, so we love the athleticism and. Again, it goes back to narrative. Like we talked about it with Kincaid. He could have gone anywhere as a free agent. He finally got out from the franchise tag and he chose this place and he considers himself a wide receiver. There's a clip of him where the, where somebody goes up to him and says, happy, happy national tight end day. And on, on Mike, he goes, you mean big slot wide receiver day. So <laughs> he, we know what he thinks of himself, right? And what he wants to do. So if it's not here, maybe somewhere else, uh, if somebody gives him that opportunity. But again, he needs to... And maybe um, we're hoping it was a system, but it's been all the way back to Penn State where he doesn't really break tackles. He's yeah. just got to figure he's got to figure that part of his game out because with his speed, he should have more yak, but he just has no elusiveness. Drives me nuts, man. Coop, let's uh, let's go out with a bang here. The New Orleans Saints, three guys oh to really consider. Gosh. We've got Jawan Johnson, who is the tight end twenty in our current DLF Dynasty ADP. Taysom Hill, who is Almost free. Once again, tight end 35. And then they sign uh, really one of the best stories of the offseason, Foster Moreau, former Raider, uh, another guy the Raiders let go. And, of course, um, dealt with uh, dealt with cancer this offseason and is, is already uh, back on the field. He is not being drafted. But I do think he's worth factoring in to the conversation here. So, Coop, as as a tight end guy, as a tight end lover, as a tight end expert, is Taysom Hill your your favorite player or your least favorite player? No, dude, he is <laughs> He's a, just the, no. the the tight the end devil is the devil for tight end land is actually Adam Gase because he would have every tight end block on one of every four pass plays. But Taysom Hill is definitely one of the bad guys. He's yeah. one of the evil doers. And the problem for me, of course, is that you know I'm a very statistical fantasy player you know i look at uh pass blocking snaps and and uh, targets for instance and so how do people are like they want linear rankings every week right and it's like okay rank these guys and i'm looking at you know snaps and, and pass blocking and yards per route run and all these stats and, and ranking them and then somewhere in that line of guys i have to put Taysom hill right <laughs> like it just it drives it really drives me nuts man if we could get rid of that tight end eligibility it may make my life easier but we have to account for him, but because he's well, he's finished like tight end like seven last year because of the, the you know the monster game he had and all that. Uh, here's how here's how I look at this situation. Uh, first off, for me, I like Michael Thomas. I think Michael Thomas is is going to do something this year. But there are a lot of people that don't. Like we know that you type you tweet out something about Michael Thomas and they'll come for you, right? <laughs> so uh, my my suggestion to the people out there that don't like Michael Thomas is this: if you think he's bad or that he's going to get hurt, what are you doing about it, right? Do you like Rashid Jaheed or maybe you like one of these tight ends? When I look at the group, Taysom Hill, I just can't trust him week to week. Yeah. Foster Moreau, we're all rooting for Foster Moreau, right? Like there's put fantasy aside. We're all rooting for this sure. for the guy coming back. You know, it's you coming back from cancer to play. It's a great story. Uh, it seems like a good guy who was on Hard Knocks. But also, I've seen this guy play and start a, a ton of times with Darren Waller missing time. He's never had more than sixty-seven yards in the game. So just difficult to trust. Jawan Johnson is a converted wide receiver that plays out of the slot, and Jarvis Landry's gone, and they paid him a two-year deal. To me, if I'm taking a stab on anybody, 
this is the guy I want, right? Like wide receivers we can start at tight end is the whole game. So uh, for the start, I think it's going to be a lot of Alave and Michael Thomas, but, you know, things happen. Alave got banged up last year. Michael Thomas gets banged up every year. Uh, Juwan could slide in there. So if I'm stashing any of them, it's Juwan. I just don't even want to. I, having Taysom Hill on your roster in Dynasty, that temptation to just say, <laughs> right, just throw him in there and say whatever, let the let the chips fall where they may. Like I don't even want that. I don't want that. I don't want him around. I just. Uh, what about you, man? Do, do you, have you have you ever dabbled in the dark arts of Taysom Hill on any of your lineups? I, I have actually, and it, it's worked pretty well. But <laughs> I, he, I mean, he really is. He's he's a wild card for the uh, for the Saints in that you don't know if he's going to catch the ball, you know, run the ball or uh, or, or throw it, and Gross. and obviously that's that's kind of the allure. But I, I mean, he's he's so much of a wild card that from a fantasy standpoint, you almost can't even factor him in. You almost can't even project <laughs> him for anything. You like you said, you just don't know what to expect, and that's why. Even after a tight end seven season, he's down there at tight end 35 and and he's even sitting on some waiver wire. So I'm with you. Juwan Johnson is the guy I want here. Um, I mean, we've seen these other uh, converted uh, tight ends, you know, mo- several of them often uh, converted from uh, the quarterback position. Uh, but in this case, from wide receiver, they have, they've been slow to um, – you know, slow to learn the position and, and really excel. Of course, Darren Waller was an example of that with a, a late career breakout. So I, I think Juwan Johnson could continue to improve. I think he could uh, certainly continue to play well. And I do think he's a guy that can be in that tight end one range, uh, not only production wise, but dynasty value wise as well. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to wrap up this Saints discussion, I have to give you my my theory on why Taysom Hill was brought to us. Okay. You ready? It's some, some new Orleans voodoo. It's, it's reparations because uh, for those that, for those that remember uh, back when Marquise Colston was drafted by the saints, uh, this is going back a, w- a ways in fantasy. So yeah. some of the young folks might not remember, but he was drafted out of Hofstra late round pick. And for some reason, some teams were looking at him to play tight end. Uh, Yahoo and a few other platforms mm. had him labeled as tight end and they yeah. didn't change it. And Marquise Colston that year finished as the PPR tight end one, even though he only played like two snaps at tight end. And he finished ahead of Anto- uh, like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, like serious tight ends. So I think that this is this is the fantasy gods coming back to uh, to punish us with another Saints tight end that is uh, that is kind of the opposite of that. That's my theory um, on that, right? That, that that might be that might be it. <laughs> Oh, great, great stuff from, uh, from Coop today. Again, follow him on Twitter at Coop, a fiasco, uh, check out his work on fantasy alarm, uh, Coop. Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate you jumping in for Matt today and sharing all of the, uh, your thoughts on the tight end training camp battles. That is going to do it for today's show. Please make sure you download and subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Remember to follow the show at Locked on Dynasty. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Follow Coop at Coop A Fiasco. And I'm Ryan MC23. We'll be back next time with more Locked on Dynasty.